Well, welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome everybody? Our online campus, Germantown campus, Appleton campus, Milwaukee, Brookfield. Wherever you are joining us from, we are glad you are with us today. Hopefully everybody's having a great day, great weekend. Yes? Good, all right, all right, good, 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 good. If you have your Bibles, on, you turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and I'm just kind of, uh, again, this weekend and the next weekend kind of ends our summer series. I hope you'll be back next weekend. I will be speaking again. Uh, and uh, be here and, and uh, got another message. But I love kind of some of these standalones. And again, I would encourage you as we're kind of coming to the end of August, uh, this uh, last edition of these soap journals. So they kind of go, there's three of these a year. Uh, so every day we do scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So it's two, two chapters a day. And, uh, and we just kind of go through. And a lot of what I've been doing this summer has been coming out of reading that I've done here uh, in my soap journal and just, just notes, just kind of the Lord kind of speaking to me and, and kind of what, what are some applications and observations that, that, that I have out of those passages. And so I think these are $15 and you can get them at the Resource Center. And uh, again, just uh, really great. I've had some, some friends come through this past year. Uh, they're in town. We're having lunch. They want to see something or see a facility, a couple guys building a building or whatever. And they want to see the Germantown campus or this campus or that campus. And so they'll see those and they'll ask me, uh, hey, where did you get those? And because they're kind of made for us. And so I kind of explained that. And, and uh, so I had a buddy that was through from Dallas about a week ago. And he, he wanted to get a copy of it and the whole deal. And, and so, again, I just encourage you, if that helps you to have a, a book with with you to do that, to kind of stay on point with your devotions. That's what I need. So I just throw it in my backpack. And so when I'm traveling, when I'm going wherever, I just pull it out and that's what I do. Uh, and there's also digital downloads and things of that nature you can do, but I'm not that technically advanced. So I just need paper and pen. It kind of works for me. But um, I want to talk today about how you trust God and trust in the Lord when you don't know. How do you trust in the Lord when you don't know everything you need to know. Because how you know most of the time when you're doing something that you feel like God's called you to do, whether, whether you're uh, taking a job or you're, uh, you're pursuing a career, um, you, are, you're, you're, you feel called into vocational ministry, you feel called into marketplace ministry, uh, you begin to feel a leading or a stirring of the Lord, maybe to go on a missions trip or, or maybe to step out and do something you've never done before. Uh, those things can be scary. Uh, those things can be can um, can sometimes be intimidating, and you and many times I think sometimes we think well there are people that are more spiritually mature than I that know everything that kind of get the full enchilada. And the truth of the matter is is that you don't. I love what Paul says in the New Testament. He says this side of eternity we know in part and we understand in part. It's like looking through stained glass. He says it's like looking through a, a glass darkly. Uh, we see shapes and shadows. We have moments of clarity and then it's gone. So how do you trust God in times of uncertainty? How do you trust God when you don't know the outcome? How do you trust God when you sometimes don't even trust yourself? You know, is this the Lord? Is this not the Lord? Is this, is this God's word? Is this his will? What do I do? How do I know? How do I know the will of God for my life? How do I know should I marry this person? How do I know should I take this job? How do I know should I go on this missions trip? How should I know should I pursue this particular path in my life. Um, we all find ourselves here, myself included. And there's not one algebraic formula that you can just, you know, A plus B equals C. I wish it worked that way. But God very rarely, there's principles in scripture that are timeless. 
but very rarely does he work the same way, even in our own lives, twice. Uh, there's consistencies and there's patterns, but it's relational. And so that means it's because God is living and breathing and, and alive, uh, and he works through relationship, uh, there is this interaction between he and I and between you and him. And, and so how does that work? And what are those principles? And how do I trust God's will? How do I trust God? How do I know even when I don't know? Dot, dot, dot. That's what I want to talk about. Um, and so uh, I want to look at the life of Abraham. And uh, this is just one example, but I think it's a classic great example. Uh, and Genesis begins to record the life of Abraham. And I'm just going to kind of walk through a couple of just some highlights. I'm not going to read the whole book of Genesis. Uh, thank God. But uh, somebody said so. But, but, but I want to walk through this. And basically what we're seeing in this particular, what we're going to walk through over the next couple of minutes is going to be a, about a 25-year period in his life. I'm always interested in how old were they? when this happened and when that happened and when this happened and that happened. I don't know if you are, but as I read, you know, the Old Testament, the power of the Old Testament are all the characters, uh, the, the, the people. It's, I don't like to say characters because sometimes it makes it sound like it's fictitious, but characters in the fact of these are people that were human, flawed, made mistakes, just like you and I, and yet God worked in their life. And that's why we have the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament is a collection of historical documentation that communicates how God works and how he, how he continues to work. And, uh, and, and even though you go, yeah, but what about the new covenant with Jesus? Yeah, but Jesus says of, of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant, he doesn't do away with it, he fulfills it. And so therefore there's consistencies, not inconsistencies. I don't have time to, to break all that down, but, 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 but consistencies between this Old Testament and the New Testament. But the Old Testament shows us patterns and principles of how God works that we can apply in our own life. And so don't let anybody ever tell you that, well, the Old Testament is just, it's kind of more historical data. It's kind of a foreshadowing. It's kind of a, it's just kind of there for background. Um, I had a, a professor uh, when I was working on my master's uh, degree in theology, that, uh, that I, I just was like, you know, like Papa would say, I can stand all I can stand, I can't stand no more, you know. And so it was one of those moments where he just was basically just kind of downgrading the Old Testament to this almost fictitious, it was like Hansel and Gretel type stuff. It was just this fairy tale. And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I, again, I know that we can't like make imperatives that, you know, David picked up five smooth stones to slay Goliath. And so these five stones stand for these five things. I get that. I, I think you're, 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 you're laying something on top of it. But this is how God works. This is God revealing his nature and his very essence of who and what he is in a descriptive way in our lives. Therefore, it's got application in our life today. And, and so he... I didn't change his mind, but I, I expressed my, my opinion. So I'm just saying, I, I am very much a believer in that. And I also think there are things too in the Old Testament that we look at and that we see that we kind of go, how does that happen? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I don't want to, I want to serve a God that I can connect with, but I want a God that's also supernatural, that's also miraculous. And so when I read Genesis and when God spoke the heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof, I believe God and his voice and his power did exactly that. 
when it said that God in seven days created man, or cre created this earth and the foundation and all there is, and again, I can have a theological conversation with you six ways to Sunday, but the, at the end of the day, I just believe that in seven days, God created the heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof. When, when it talks about Jonah was disobedient to go to Nineveh and this, and this fish swallows him whole, how do you, and I get it, you go and you and you you go to university of wherever it doesn't matter, and uh, and you you take you take Western Civilization 101, and you've got a professor that completely dismantles what you believe. I just go at some point. If I believe in the virgin birth, pretty miraculous, you know, don't you agree? Right? Yeah. Okay. So and and then I believe that 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 Jesus is the Son of God out of that conception from from a gal really in the middle of nowhere, named Mary, that God used to basically be a vessel in which to bring his son into the world, and that Jesus lived and died a sinless life and died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. If I can believe that God can give immaculate conception and that God can, God can, can give his own son and that his own son can live and die and defeat death, hell, and the grave, I have no problem with the fish in the Old Testament. Woo, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. And I have no problem with a God that can speak the world into existence. Matter of fact, I just believe that God is supernatural. Theologians would call him transcendent, which means he transcends time and space. You and I are limited. And what we try to do is take a transcendent God and we try to imminently bring him into our space and understand him. And we can't. Why? Because he, from the beginning of time, he was there before. And at the end of time, which doesn't make any sense because time is eternal, he's still there. And I don't know about you, but I like serving a God that I kind of go, I, I don't get all that, but that's who he is. And that's what his word declares. And so as we read the Old Testament, I want to encourage you, don't just read this as some historical data or some background to get you to the book of Matthew and the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but see how God operates. Cause he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He doesn't change. Amen. He, he changes not. And his compassions fail not. Great is his faithfulness. And so we see in the life of, of Abraham this 25-year period. And, we, and I want to start at his calling. So how Abraham got to become the father of the nation of Israel, the father of these Hebrew, the, how God originated this. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and bless your name great. Or make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you will all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham, or Abram, was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So all Abraham knew when he had his calling is who and what of his calling. Let me explain this to you. He knew who was calling him. Verse 1 says, now the Lord said to Abram, he knew it was from the Lord. 
And I think sometimes as we are walking out whatever God has for us in our life, and again, I don't want to try to narrow this down too much, but I think maybe you're a student and you're trying to figure out what your calling is, or maybe you're, you're, maybe you're in a relationship and you're trying to figure out, is this the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with? Maybe you are in a particular, you're, you're at a crossroads making a decision. Maybe everything's great and there's no decisions that you're making. You're just jotting some, down some notes. I think it's important to understand that, that, that Abraham knew who was speaking to him. And it's important for you and I to know who's speaking to us, who is leading, who is calling. Is it I that's calling? Am I leading myself to that or is this the Lord? Well, how do you know that? It's a great question. First of all, anytime God speaks, he will always speak consistently with his word. God will never tell you and I to do something that's inconsistent with his word. I know sometimes you look at the Bible and go, man, is there anything in this that's contradictory? And even I do this uh, and go, I don't think so, but I, I can't be certain. What I do is I have relationships with people that I are men and women of God's word. And, and I will just simply send an email or a text or have a conversation and say, I'm about to make a decision doing X, Y, Z. Do you know anywhere in scripture where this would be in conflict? Because there are times where you go, I, don't, I think this is completely consistent. There are a lot of times that you know, but there's a few times you're kind of like, I, I'm not really sure. Is there ever a pattern? Is there ever a place? Is there ever this that you do that? And so, um, so, so, so I, I'll do that. And I would encourage you. That, again, that's the reason why nothing works like the local church works. When the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. When you're in relationship with one another, how good and pleasant it is that we dwell together together. Because in these moments, you have people that you can go to that may be more spiritually mature than you. And you can ask and inquire of and go, no, matter of fact, the Bible says this. It's like, wow. Um, you know, you Google it, but sometimes Google doesn't always get everything right. You know what I'm talking about? Don't ever believe it. Don't re believe everything that you read. And so, so is it consistent with God's word? Secondly, uh, so, so, cause God's never going to ask you or lead you to do something that would be inconsistent with his word. For example, God's never going to speak to you and say, Hey, you need to divorce your spouse and marry this person. That's just not God. Why? Because the Bible says that God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. He hates divorce. And so because of that, God's not leading you to, to leave this person and go to that person. Uh, he, he, he's not, you know, well, I'm not happy. That, again, that holds no theological water. It's not anywhere in scripture. Now, there are other precedences for people that are going through a divorce and, and God gives grace and mercy when we, but, but, but God's never going to tell you, hey, you need to marry this person that you're in a small group with. Can I just help you with that, right? I know that sounds crazy, but there are people that have actually said that to me, go, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to marry Johnny over here and we're in small group, but you're married to Sally. Uh, 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 I mean, not you're not married to Sally, you're married to whatever, help me with this, Stephen. Yeah, I'm, I'm messing all this up. And uh, so hopefully you're not married to Sally, but anyhow, so, so you know, no, but because God's not gonna do that. Because again, that's inconsistent with his word and with the patterns of his word. I hope that makes sense. Secondly is, we know the voice. The Bible says, Jesus said in John's gospel that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. We know the voice of Christ. How do you know it? It's the same leading. Here's, here's this, this is awesome. Remember when you gave your life to Christ? That drawing of the Holy Spirit? You just knew. You knew. The same way, you, you just know. You know his voice, you know his leading. And the other thing that, that, that is, is that it's always consistent when you, when you know that it's the Lord is that it is always, it's, it's always confirmed with peace. Don't ever do something that you don't have peace about. You may not have the full enchilada. You may not know everything. We're going to see this with Abraham. But, but, but you have peace that this is where God's leading you. 
If there's no peace, you don't do it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a good thing. No peace, no go. Real simple. And so be led of those things. But so Abram knew that it was the Lord. He knew who. Secondly, he knew what. Verse two, look at it. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So he knew that the Lord was asking him to be the father and the leader and the initiator of a great nation that was going to be God's people and that he was going to be blessed. That's what he knew. That's, that's, that's what he knew. But that's all he knew. He didn't know how it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, where it was going to happen. All he knew was that the Lord had told him that he was going to lead him. He didn't even, God doesn't even look at it, verse 3. God doesn't even tell him where to go. You just need to leave. Just get on the road and begin to leave. Because here's the deal. It, and we're going to see this in just a minute in Hebrews where it talks about the life of, of Abram, Abraham. That... <laughs> Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There is a quotient that I have to trust when I don't have all the information. I have to trust when I don't know everything. I have to trust when I don't have, I, I know it's consistent with his word. That's the reason why we have the Bible. I know it's consistent with that there's gonna be peace, no peace, no go. And I also know that there's going, that I'm gonna know the voice of the Lord. That, that if I want to know, listen, can I help you this? If you wanna know God's will, he's gonna reveal it to you. It's just real simple. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to fret. If you, you, it, it may not happen like it's not Burger King my way right away now, right? You're not getting a Whopper, you understand? Or onion rings, which sounds really good right now. But, but it's, 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 it's God's will for your life. So he's going to reveal that to you. God's not trying to play some cosmic game with you. He's not trying to make himself mysterious. God doesn't need to make himself mysterious. God doesn't need to cloak and dagger anything. At the end of the day, God wants you to know him fully. And he wants, he wants to be fully known by you and he wants to fully know you. And so he wants that. And so, but it's a relationship. It's a journey. So, so what does Abraham not know? Well, first of all, he doesn't know where. So trusting when you don't know where. I want to talk about that. How do you trust the Lord, trust his leading, trust his calling when you don't know where it is you're supposed to go? Look back at verse 1. He says, go from your country and your kindred, from your family, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell him of a destination. He doesn't even give him a direction. He just simply says, go. Haran actually means to settle. That's where he was living. So his father brings his family to Haran. And that, that word Haran means to settle. So Abram's moving from a place of where he's settling, where his father has settled, where everybody has settled, and he's going to be the change agent. Maybe that's you. God's asking you to do something and everything in your world is settled and everything around you is settled and everything is good is settled and everything is good. But what God's asking you to do is radically different than anything you've ever done before. It's a place you've never been before. It's people you don't know. Maybe God's even calling you to missions where you're gonna go to a land of people that you've never been to before, that you don't know anyone there and you don't even know the language. But God is taking you from a place where you're settled to a place and a journey to find and to do his will. But you don't know where. Abram didn't know where. He, 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 he didn't know where. And here's, here's, here's just kind of a principle here. God usually gives us direction, but not destination. God usually gives us direction, but not destination. 
He usually gives us direction, but not destination. God always leads in steps. So God doesn't give you the full enchilada. If God showed you everything, it would freak you out. Let's be honest with you. Like you'd be like, oh, dear Lord. And, 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 but there's no faith. There's no, there's no growth in that journey. But, but God begins to lead you in steps. And so he gives you a direction. He says, go and I will show you, Abram. You begin to go, you begin to move, and I'll show you. This is always interesting to me because there are people that I know, that, and especially in church people, we, 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 we do this where it's, a, it's the mindset of, okay, I know God's called me. It's him that's called me. And I know what he's called me to do, but when he opens a door, I'll go. No. No, any, let me give you, so again, all truth is God's truth. So rules of thermodynamics, rules of, of, of physics, they all work, right? So any object that's in motion tends to stay in motion unless there's some other object that stops it, that, 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 that brings enough friction that basically stops that object that's in motion. So inertia plays a role, right? That's true in the world in which we live in. Well, where does that come from? Well, if God created the heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof, we believe Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, then God is the one who created the laws of physics in which we govern the world in which we live in. We know in part, we understand in part. So this is part that we do understand. So the same thing is true. God put that into motion in the physical sense in our world. The same thing happens in our life and in relationships and everything that we do. It's, look, look at your money. When you begin to save instead of going debt, and you let compound interest work for you, that object that's staying in motion, that saving continues to stay in motion because nothing else is stopping it and it continues to snowball and snowball and therefore you've got retirement. If you're on the opposite side of that, you, you, you're, you're, you're just swipe, swiping your way to happiness with your credit card and you're going to here and there and wherever, all of a sudden you get on the wrong side of that, that, that object of debt continues to stay in motion until there's something larger than that debt, which is usually a pair of scissors to the credit card that stops that. The same thing is true in relationships. You began to develop a relationship and over time it grows and grows and grows and it continues. And then over time it will reduce it. And, and, but, but, but if you don't, if, you, if you're not intentional with that, that relationship doesn't move any further. The same thing is true in, in, in our own life is that when we began to kind of move in that direction, we began to, to start in that direction, we began to, to, to initiate a movement and action that God begins to lead and God direct because it's always easier to direct an object that's in motion than one that's at rest. Again, laws of physics. What we don't do is a lot of times we just wait for God to do everything for us. And God's not your mom, okay? He, he's not gonna make your bed and say it's gonna be okay, baby. Because it's not gonna be okay and he's not gonna make your bed, right? At the end of the day, you, you, he wants to speak to you and he's gonna give you what you need for the next step and then he expects you to begin to walk that step out. And sometimes we go, well, I'm just waiting. No, 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 you're waiting. You're going to be waiting for a long, 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 long time. You've got to begin to walk in motion. Can I just tell you, there are times as a pastor leading Life Church that I, I will say things that I feel like we're supposed to go in, in direction X, Y, Z. And I, when I'm done, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I hope I'm right. About 80% of that's like, oh my goodness, man, I, I think that was the Lord, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was about Chipotle. I'm not really sure, but I said it, so we're doing it. And Ryan's on the front row writing down going, well, you said we were going to do this. So that's what we're doing. I mean, there's just times where you just kind of go like, I, I feel like the Lord's in this. I feel like this is the right direction. So let's begin to move in this direction and see what God does. But that's what happened with, with Life Center Milwaukee. 
We began to speak things that were not as though they were and began to say, we feel like God's in this and we don't know what this is going to look like. But somewhere in this, in this area, I put a map up on the screen. We feel like we're going to have a location here and a facility here to be able to minister to people. And we don't even know what we're doing, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. It's going to be messy, but we're going to start moving in that direction. And then what happened when we began to move in that direction? God began to show up. And bit by bit and piece by piece, it all began to come together. And it's still coming together. Because God usually gives direction, but not destination. Secondly, we see that Abraham was trusting when you don't know when. When is this going to happen? When's a great nation going to come? When is the fulfillment of the calling going to happen? When is that going to happen? So turn over to chapter 15. Chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield, your reward. Uh, shall be very great. But Abram said, Oh Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of, of, of Damascus. So it's just one of his servants. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, but your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, I want you to look toward the heaven at the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. See, there are times that we're going along. So there's a 25-year period from the time that God speaks to Abram and says, I want you to leave Haran, and I want you to begin to go, and I'll make you the father of a great nation before Isaac is born. 25 years. It's only a matter of a few chapters in the Bible, but it's 25 years he's on a journey. 25 years, he's waiting to see how God's going to reveal his will. 25 years, he is trusting and trusting. And there are times where he goes, I don't know how this is going to work out. So what does he do? He asks God. God's never off put by your questions. In the middle of the journey, don't ever, don't ever, 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 ever be scared to say, God, I don't understand. God, well, how's this going to work? God, this doesn't make any sense. Because God's never going, oh, I hope he doesn't ask me that. I hope they don't ask me that. I hope they don't ask me that because I don't have an answer for that. And I don't know what to do with that. And no. What does God do when, when Abram asks him that? He confirms yet again his word and his calling. And then he says, now I want you to show, show you an object lesson. I want you to leave and I want you to walk outside. And, and I could just see it would be one of those clear nights like you'd have way up north, you know, in northern Wisconsin and, and the UP where there's, there's just, there's no light pollution at all. And, and I want you to see the stars in the sky. And if you could count all of them, your descendants will be greater than that. And the Bible says in that moment, Abram believed God's word and the faith that Abram had connected and God counted unto him as righteousness. What does that mean? That, that's the same phrasing that we would get from how people would, how you and I would follow Christ. It, it's we, our righteousness comes from Christ. Uh, Abram's righteousness came from trusting in the Lord. His faith was put in God. His faith was put, again, this is before Christ. And so his faith is put in God. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm, I'm not going to lead to my own wisdom. 
but I'm going to trust you. And, and, and sometimes I think when, when we get this, we can think, well, but you know what, man, that's easy to preach because, you know, that's preacher talk and that's Christian talk, but I'm a businessman. Have you read the life of Abraham? You want to talk about diversity of income streams? I mean, when the gold was down, his livestock was up. Everywhere he went, he was blessed. He was blessed so great that he had to move members of his family to different parts of the area because, because the livestock could not graze. There was not enough land for them. And when Abram goes to the hill country because Lot wants to go to the valley that's fertile and where everybody's living in all the prime real estate, the Bible says that God blesses Abram twice as much as he blessed Lot. And quite frankly, Abraham has to go and pull Lot's family out of that and Lot's wife dies in the process. Because it doesn't matter, wherever Abram goes, there's blessing. Because the blessing's ever with the place, it's always with the person. Listen, it's always with a person. God's blessing you because you're working at that company, not just because of that company. God's blessing you because his blessings on your life. God's blessing your kids and your grandkids because you've prayed for that and you believe for that. And the enemy of your soul may come in and try to steal, kill and destroy. But, the, but, but Jesus has come that you can have life and life to the full. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, what will God do? Raise up a standard against him if you'll submit yourself to the Lord. That's what Abram does every single time. And so it's this trusting, even when I don't know when, and it's okay to ask a question, because understand this, God's time is not our time. God's time is not our time. We're limited, but he is limitless. You have to remember that. God doesn't work on your timetable. Our time is not God's time, for we're limited, but he's limitless. God has no beginning, he has no end. And if it takes 25 years, it takes 25 years. I'm sure, I'm sure when we get to heaven and we have a conversation and we have a latte with Abraham, we will. Starbucks will be in heaven, amen. And, uh, and so we have this conversation with Abraham. It's gonna be like, man, 25 years. I mean, Abraham tried to make it happen in that amount of time. He trusted, he trusted, he trusted. And God counted it to him as righteousness. The last thing, point I want to make, and we're going to land the plane, trusting when you don't know how. How am I going to do this? How do I do this? For Abram, how do I be a father of a great nation? How do I become a father of a great nation? How do I put together a great nation? And God, I don't know how to do this. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something that you didn't have the ability to do? That was beyond your pay grade? That was beyond your understanding? That was beyond you? Look at chapter 17. There's eight verses, one through eight. I want to read these. And when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty and walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and you may multiply greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Again, he's confirming the exact same calling he's confirmed in chapter 15 and initiated in chapter 12. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings. So all the places where he's traveled and all the land of Canaan 
for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Look at verse 15. Skip on down to verse 15 in the same chapter. And God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah will become her name. And I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will become nations and she shall become nations and kings of people shall come from her. Look at verse 17, Abraham's response. And Abraham fell on his face and he laughed at himself. He said, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Verse 21, and I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear for you at this time next year. At 99, 24 years into the journey, 12 months, this is going to happen. God basically tells Abram, tells Abraham, hey, just get a Diet Coke and a bag of Funyuns and watch this happen. I'm going to make a 90-year-old woman fertile. And 90 is 90 is 90. Okay, do you guys understand? Don't go, well, I must have, man, that must have been a very young 90 back then and kind of like 50s to new 40. And no, 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 it's 90. It's not a year old woman. Again, we serve a God who can do anything he wants to do. When are we going to learn? <laughs> when are we going to learn? It's so funny because, again, history runs in cycles. We, we're very cyclical. We, we, it repeats itself over and over and over. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so God will do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to make a 90-year-old woman fertile and he wants to give a 100-year-old couple a family and he wants to bless that family and bless that son and through him will come a great nation, so be it. He's God. Here's the reality. See, we're limited to the resources at our own disposal. But God is the creator of those resources. You have to remember that you, you and I may be limited to what we, that won't work anymore because we're 90. But, but for God, he's not limited by that, but because he's the creator of those resources. If God wants to open a womb, he'll open a womb. If he wants to close it, he'll close it. God can do whatever he wants to do. And sometimes God does things that we don't understand. I get that. And there are times I don't have answers, more times than not that I don't have answers to things, but I just have to trust. Even when I don't know how. Abraham is scratching his head going, I don't know how this is going to work, but okay. Okay, God. For 24 years, I've been following you. I've been trusting you with no air. And I've tried to make things happen, and it's blown up in my face. Ever try to do that? He did that. If you read uh, uh, Ishmael. Which again, today, the Arabs trace their lineage to Abraham through Ishmael. And the Jews through Isaac. And if you go with me to Jerusalem in January, you're going to go and we'll go to the temple dome, at the, the dome of the rock, right in the center city of, of Jerusalem. And there'll be the wailing wall below. And we'll go there and then we'll walk up to the top, which is which basically in the middle of Jerusalem, in the middle of this epicenter of Jews 
of the descendants of Isaac will be the, the, the descendants of Ishmael. It's Arab territory. And you will feel probably the most sense of, of clash of, of supernatural powers, the heaviness in the middle of that city, that's God's city, the city of David. All part of what we're reading here. Because Abraham tried to do it on his own instead of just trusting God. But God's gracious and God is long-suffering. God's plans don't move like ours do. So he had to continue to trust them even when he didn't know how. And I love it how, I'm gonna end it with this, Hebrews 11. Just, just, it's gonna be on the screen. Just listen or read along. Verse eight. And by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse nine, by faith, he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs of him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that's foundations, whose designer and builder is God. How do you trust when you don't know? Faith. Here's what I know, I'm gonna walk in peace. Here's what I know, I'm gonna walk in God's word. Here's what I know, I'm gonna lean and then hear his voice. And I'm just gonna have this posture, palms up. God, I'm not moving unless you speak, but when you speak, I'm gonna to begin to move, even when I don't know when, even when I don't know how, even when I don't know where. I'm yours. And I don't know where you are today, and I don't know what you're going through today, but these are principles from his word. That I don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything, but you can know what you need to know in order to make that next step, to continue to walk that out. I believe this weekend there are students that are feeling called and being called of, and this is just a confirmation by the Holy Spirit to vocational ministry. I have felt this really strong this entire year that there are students that this year, God's gonna begin to speak to their hearts and gonna begin to tap them on the shoulder and say, I, I want you to go into vocational ministry. I want you to be a kids pastor. I want you to be a worship pastor. I want you to be a youth pastor. I want you to be a senior pastor. I want you to plant a church. I want you to be a missionary. I, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you. So don't be surprised, mom and dad, if you have kids that maybe late at night one night come knock on your door and wanna come in and sit down and talk and just say, I had this experience when I was on this missions trip or I was at this youth retreat or I was at camp or I was at youth service. And I don't really know what all this means. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where, I just know that I feel God leading me in this direction. And I know from experience that we all are wrestling from time to time with the will of God in our own lives. You get opportunities, you're at a crossroad, trying to figure out, trying to discern, God, is this your voice? What is this? And again, go right back to the word. And then there are times where God's spoken to you 
and something comes in and it's like, God, is this you? Is this a distraction or is this the next part of the journey? And you have to lean in and go, do I have peace? Is this consistent with his word? Is this his voice? And begin to walk that out. Because very rarely, I would almost say 100% of the time, we don't get the full enchilada. I wish we did, man. I wish you got the full chimichanga and the rice and the beans and the chips and the salsa. You know what I'm talking about? But it doesn't happen that way. I get part of it. And I began to work and God begins to reveal over that time. Father, I just pray today that we, Lord, wherever we are, we just surrender ourselves to you. That we, wherever we are, we just surrender our hearts to you. And I just pray that you would help us to clearly hear your voice. God, to be able to know your word And Lord, to be consistent, God, with not going anywhere that we don't have peace. Let the peace of God that passes all understanding be ours. And let it rule and reign over every decision in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.